Everybody doing all right this morning, though? We doing good? Cool, cool. A um, couple of quick things we've got going on here. Uh, last week, by the way, I, we've got several people that are new or haven't been here in a little bit. Uh, looks like summer is over. So we've got uh, got a full house in the house. But yeah, because we asked people to kind of move forward and everybody filled up in the back. It's kind of cool. So uh, this is our third and final service for the, uh, the, the this, this Sunday. And we are um, doing something a little strange, a little bit different. Uh, we are actually... Uh, Facebook living for the first time this week. So everybody say, hey, what's up, Facebook people? If we're not, are we on yet? We're not on. That's cool, man. But uh, am I, hold that. Hold on. Pause. Pause. No, I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. But we are, uh, but my name is Casey. I'm one of the pastors here serving alongside you. Uh, we are, we have been, uh, been a church here for about two and a half years, if you don't know. And uh, we are up to three services. Uh, if the last, this service and the last service any indication, we're going to have to figure uh, something out, but that is a, a good problem to have. Amen. Good to see everybody here. Good to see. Uh, uh, good to see uh, all the visitors in the house too. I say a good five or six folks that I haven't seen before, and probably others that are coming in. And I last week, if you recall, we did a, a survey of the diff- the three different services, and it was your top three things that you're struggling with. And so this service right here, this message is going to be different than the first two messages, which is weird and very much a challenge uh, for the guy that is uh, giving the message and stuff. So we are, uh, so it's a little bit different, a little bit weird. Are we on Facebook Live now? Hey, Facebook, what's up? Everybody said hello. What's up? So we are good to go on that. But you know, it's a little bit strange because this is a different message than I gave in the first two messages or the first two services. So the first service and the second service were different than this message because of what we are particularly struggling with in the different services as we are, um, as we told ourselves on the survey. So here's the deal. Um, as we settled with the babies and everything, here's the deal. Hallelujah for babies, right? Seriously, man. I love babies, man. Matter of fact, we got a diaper, diaper drive going on. We got tons of babies. and That's our church growth strategy. Y'all keep having babies, all right? Oh, that's cool. But we are in this, and, and, and here's the deal, like, even newborns, even babies are knuckleheads. You're a knucklehead too, don't, don't okay, like, and I'm a knucklehead. So turn to your neighbor, who said that, hallelujah? That's me, yeah, yeah, proud to be a knucklehead, right? Turn to your neighbor, say you're a knucklehead. Hey, don't put knuckles on the heads or anything like that. But here's why we are, here's why, y'all are enjoying that, that's good. Here's why we are knuckleheads, is because we are, and you can fill out your bulletin on this, or you could download the app and fill out the bulletin on the app, and if you do that, you can actually email yourself the notes, which is kind of a neat deal. But here's why we are knuckleheads. We are knuckleheads because every single one of us, you and me and you and you and you and and everybody else in here and everybody on Facebook Live is a knucklehead because even if you say you are a Christian, Even if you have given your life to Jesus, we still are unbelievers in something. Meaning, we are struggling in some ways to give Jesus everything in that particular area. For some of us, it's worry. For some of us, it's addiction. For some of us, it's lust. For some of us, it is is even laziness, right? 
It's even, or, or for some of us, it's even like, I don't know how to rest. I'm a workaholic. Like, I've got to deal with something. For some of us, it's worry about what our kids are going to do. For some of us, oh, we got a hurricane coming, but what are we going to do? Listen, my child, my daughter is in Florida or coming back from Florida trying to evacuate right now. I understand all those different things. But here's the deal. We're knuckleheads, and I'm a knucklehead, and you're a knucklehead, because we are all unbelievers in some ways. At 845 service, here's what they struggle with. And I've got some graphs for you here. We struggle with rest. Now imagine the 845 crowd struggles with rest because they get up too freaking early, right? But they struggle with rest. That's what they said. They struggle with rest. They struggle with anger, second, probably because they're sleepy. And they don't read the Bible. Now you're going to see something here that is kind of an interesting dynamic and an interesting pattern here that the 10 o'clock, the second service, last service, which was freaking packed, by the way, which is awesome. We're almost packed in here again, which is great. But um, here's what they said. Number one was anxiety. Number two was forgiveness. And number three, actually, this is tied for second and third, was they don't read their Bible. Do you notice the pattern here for the first, first service and the second service? 845 service and the 10 o'clock service. Us in here, first thing we deal with is anxiety. Second thing we deal with is, is money issues and money troubles. And the third thing we, we, uh, we deal with, actually this tied second and third for money troubles, is that, guess what? I don't know if you can see that or not, but we don't read our Bibles. Now here's the deal. I'm not going to guilt you into reading your scriptures or anything, but I will tell you, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you are a disciple of Jesus who says, I will follow Jesus, and as a disciple, learn to obey what he says, and we don't go into the Word to find out what he says, you're fooling yourself. Amen? Because the pattern for all three services is what? The common theme is that we don't read our Bibles. Exactly right. Let me tell you a couple quick things about the Bible. Let me look at the overall from all the three services. We good? Everybody good with me? Everybody good? Can you? We good? Hallelujah. Amen is right. Amen is right. Here's what we got. All three services, if you combine them. Number one thing, I don't read my Bible. That's the number one thing about all the services, if you combine all three. Why? Because it's the pattern for all of them. Second thing is anxiety. almost said Isaiah. That was weird. Um, third thing is rest and Sabbath. <coughs> fourth thing is anger. And finally, the, the bottom, of, but, you know, this is one of the top five, is money trouble. So I don't read my Bible is the most common issue among all the services in our entire church. A couple of years ago, we actually did a survey and found out that 80% of all the like the people that are going to church here do not read the scriptures. Wow. Like that's a lot, right? And so when we say things like, hey, we'd like to do some things that people are not reading their Bibles and not being guided by him, guided by Jesus, guys, that's a that's like a big, big deal. If we're followers of Jesus and we're going through this initiative right now called Will It Be Us, meaning will we reach the people that God is sending us to? 
and we're not reading our scriptures and being guided by him, we're going to go into this battle, go into this war, go into this mission ill-equipped. So I'm not guilting you into it, but I want to challenge us in, like, to, to read our scriptures. Because a common issue on all three services is not reading the Bible. Psalm 119 says, this is Old Testament, this is David writing to God saying, I have hidden your word in my heart. Now notice he didn't say, I've hidden your word in my head. Notice he didn't say, I, 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 I memorized your word and can regurgitate it. That ultimately does not matter, does it? The devil knows the word. The enemy knows it backwards and forwards. If we just know it and don't have it in our heart, it doesn't really make any difference. I have hidden your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. This is where, this is how we know, this is how we can get into the word so that we will not sin against him. Uh, I love the book of John. John 1 says, in the beginning was the word, the word was God the word was with God, and verse 14 says the word became what? Flesh, which is Jesus came, he's the word, and took up residence among us. We observed his glory, the glory as a one and only son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So if Jesus is the Bible, if Jesus is the word, and he's the one that came down full of grace and truth, in the beginning was the word, then a love and desire for Jesus, which most Christians say they have, must be followed, equals a love and desire for the Bible. See where I'm coming with that, right? See, a lot of us are going to get rocked this morning a little bit, and I'm not trying to, like, upset anybody. I'm not trying, but I am, I am wanting God to convict us completely if we're not having a desire and a thirst for his word we don't have a desire and thirst for him because Jesus is the word. And if we, if we are sincerely wanting to see what Jesus says so that we can go in obedience to him, then we must get into his word with not an obligation. Okay, I guess I'll go start reading the Bible. I guess I'll start reading. No, like I get to read the Bible. You know how many places in, in the world over the last several, well, a couple of thousand years that the Bible, that the Word is, has been outlawed and unable, man, we freely get it off the shelf if we want to. And so we just sort of kind of take it a little bit nonchalantly sometimes, don't we? Are you with me, New City? You guys understand where I'm coming from, right? This is an important piece for us to understand that a love and a desire for Jesus equals a love and desire for the Bible. This 1130 service, we talked about anxiety and money troubles. And both of those things are addressed so well in the Sermon on the Mount. So if this is your third service today, you're hearing a different message. Um, this, is kind of, this, is one, this is probably, I say, maybe the best for last. But at least the scriptures are just so good, man. Matthew 6, this is Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount. And he's his very first public ministry sermon. And he comes out and he says some, some really radical stuff. And listen to what he says in, in Matthew 6, starting in verse... 19 he says don't collect for yourselves treasures on earth now that's totally different than what the world says the world says collect for yourselves treasures here right where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal but everybody say but but collect for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth 
nor rust destroys. And where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. I have hidden your word in my heart. Is that our treasure? Wow, thank you, New City Church. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So that the light within you is darkness. How deep is that darkness? A lot of people think, yeah, that's right. I can look at somebody and tell them they're full of darkness. No, that's not what it says. The eye, what you look at, what you set your eyes on, is the lamp to the body. Meaning what you focus on, what you look at, what you decide to keep in front of you. Is it the word or is it the world? No one can be slave of two masters since either he will hate one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot be both slaves of God and of of money. This is why I tell you, and this is where he talks about this. He, He addresses it. This is his first public sermon, right? So it's really, really important. And it was important for him to address this 2,000 years ago, a lot of us think, well, I, we got iPhones now and stuff, right? Like, I got, we got internet, we got flat screen TVs, we got cars, we got all kinds of, we got electricity, air conditioning. All, like, they didn't have that stuff. They didn't worry about that stuff 2,000 years ago. Absolutely, they did. Because the human natural self is going toward worrying about this stuff, trying to deal with stuff. What am I going to eat? What am I going to wear? What am I going to do? How am I going to live? What about my kids, Right? And it all belongs to Jesus. Let him handle it. I am telling you, my brothers and sisters, this. Because I struggle with this stuff too. And I don't have all of it figured out. Like I naturally, my flesh pops back up. Right? Naturally, it comes out of me. Right? Like I'm like, oh, I'm worried again. I have to like almost on a daily basis be giving it back to Jesus. Amen is right. This is why I tell you. Don't what? What does he say it with me, New City? Don't what? Don't worry about your life, what you will eat, or what you will drink, or about your body. More than, like, isn't life more, I love this, listen to this question. Isn't life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Now, he's not saying walk around naked or anything like that, but listen to what he said. Look at the bird of the air. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Yes. Can any of you add a single cubit to his height? Other scriptures say can, uh, any, an hour of, his, of your life to his height by worrying? Great question. Can it make you taller by worrying? Absolutely not. And why do you worry about clothes? Learn how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, who was the richest man to ever live, historically makes Bill Gates and Warren Buffett look like paupers, right? Not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he he do much more for you? You of little faith. So don't worry. Don't worry, he says. Chill. Like Jesus says, I got this. 
You ever see George Lopez show? Angie, I got this. Remember, everybody always thought it was a joke. No, Jesus is for real. Yo, I got this. Uh, You don't have to worry. In your own power, you are powerless. I got this. And I'm preaching to myself as much as I am preaching to y'all. So don't worry, saying, what will we eat? Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear? For the idolaters or the pagans eagerly seek all these things. And and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But, everybody say but. Seek first. My brother, Daniel, that's your life. Seek first his kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Guys, I feel you on this. Like it doesn't make any natural sense, but remember what the scriptures say. God's ways are not man's ways. Man's ways are not God's ways. We think differently, act differently, plan differently without God doing his thing. And I know that some of us in here are struggling with different things. I've talked to some people that that are just just really, really, they're here this morning because they're hurting, because they're worried, and they're doing those kinds of things. And I just want to encourage you as I'm encouraging myself, God has this. Can I get a new city church? Amen. Mark 9. And this is an example a real life practical example of what is happening. I include parts of Mark 9 uh, in the beginning of this chapter only because I want us to see the power of what Jesus has done. If you, if you understand what's happened is that Jesus has brought a couple of his guys in his inner circle, uh, James, Peter, James, and John, and they've brought, gone up to a mountain. And all of a sudden, like this light appears, right? And you got Moses that appears with Jesus, and you got Elijah that appears with Jesus. Now Moses represents the law, the Old Testament, the canon, the, the, the Pentateuch, if you will, the first five books of the Bible. That's correct. Did I say Pentateuch right? Is that right? All right. I say it correctly? Good. All right, cool. So the first five books of the Bible, and then you've got Elijah who represents the rest of the Old Testament, the prophets, right? And remember what Jesus said. I said, I didn't come to abolish the law and the prophets. I came to fulfill them. So Jesus is the fulfillment of those things. And, and, the, and, and Peter and James and John are like, dude, this is awesome. This is fantastic. Can we just hang out here? We'll make a temple for you, a temple for you, and a temple for Elijah, a temple for Moses, and a temple for you, and we'll just hang out here forever. Because it's great to be on the mountaintop with Jesus when everything's going awesome and euphoria is there. But he wants us to come down from the mountain and be with his people so that we can share what's coming as, as well. You with me, New City? Are you with me, New City? So they were equating Jesus with Elijah and Moses, and listen to what happened. A cloud appeared, verse 7, overshadowing them, and a voice came from the cloud, said, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. He didn't say that about Elijah. He didn't say that about Moses. He said, this Jesus, 
Then suddenly looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus alone. And as they were coming down from the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one, don't say nothing, right? Until they had seen the Son of Man had risen from the dead. Now, I know a lot of people are like, I wonder if Jesus knew he was going to rise from the dead or knew he was going to die or knew he was this. Man, absolutely. Because like, he used to tell them, hey, don't say nothing until I'm risen from the dead, right? By the way, how cool is that? Brothers and sisters, how cool is that? Like, we've got an Old Testament that wrote about a, a coming Messiah, a coming anointed one that was like, like, 360 some odd predictions about where he's going to be born, how he's going to die, what he's going to do. Hands and feet would be pierced, betrayed for 30 pieces of silver, riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. Like 300 plus things like that that came true through one man. That is absolutely impossible for one person. And if that's not enough, he rises from the dead and writes it down for us so that we can have a love letter and instruction manual from him for our use and for our obedience through the Holy Spirit. How great is that? This is why I challenge us for our enthusiasm a lot of times. It's why I look at you sometimes and I go, are you with me? Because this is amazing. Amen. Greatest thing that has happened in all of history. And we get to read his word. I'll never forget starting to read it. And one day, I'll, 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 like when I realized all this stuff happening, that Jesus was a heck of a lot bigger than me and he's a lot more powerful, I started not reading the Bible. I started with a gasp reading the word of God. Wow. When they came to the disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and scribes disputing with them, starting in verse 14. All of a sudden, when the whole crowd saw him, they were amazed and ran to greet him. Then he asked them, what are you arguing with them about? Keep in mind, these were educated guys. More degrees than a circle were trying to talk to these guys that had no education at all and say, oh, no, no, you guys ain't nothing, right? Out of the crowd, one man answered him, teacher. I brought my son to you, and he has a spirit that makes him unable to speak. Wherever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams at the mouth, grinds his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to drive it out, and they, and they couldn't. And he replied to them, not to him, to, to them, you unbelieving generation. He's talking to actually his disciples here. How long will I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring him to me. So they brought him to him, and the Spirit saw him. It immediately convulsed the boy. See, see the demonic realm, guys, I don't know if you feel this way or not, but it's true because Jesus said it was. The demonic realm is real. And, it's, and some of us have experienced some crazy stuff, and I get that. But Jesus is the answer. See, those punks, they got nothing on us, right? Full of Jesus if we are. So they brought him to him. When the spirit saw him, it immediately convulsed the boy. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening to him? Jesus asked his father. From childhood, he said, and many times 
It has thrown him into fire or water to destroy him. See, the enemy wants to destroy us. That's why we've got to deal with our sin, not in a way like we're trying to manage it as if we're going to reconcile to Satan someday, right? No, we've got to kill it. It's got to be dealt with immediately. Amen? You with me, New City? I don't know if we're with me this morning, but I pray we are. Come on. Many times it's thrown him into the fire and water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Then Jesus said to him, if you can? Man, what you mean, right? I almost think Jesus going, do you know who I, oh, oh, never mind. Don't say nothing yet, right? Remember, I am just been transfigured and he's probably just going gosh if you only knew bro if you can everything is possible to the one who believes and not believes just the facts believes what that this is the ground this is the weight i will put my i will stand on this i will die on this hill because he's risen immediately the father of the boy cried out and i love this guys and here's The crux of this message today, no matter what we're dealing with, if it's anxiety, if it's anger, if it's unforgiveness, if it's money troubles, if it's whatever, if it's lust, if it's porn, if it's addiction, whatever it is, we are all knuckleheads unbelieving in something. And here's what he said, immediately the father of the boy cried out, I do believe, but help me, help me with my unbelief. That's the cry for us, guys. Help me, Jesus, with my... Jesus, if you could do... If I can? We know who he is. I do believe. I do believe, Jesus, that you will take care of whatever it is that is keeping me from you. Help me with my knuckleheadedness. My unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was rapidly coming together, I bet they were, right? Because the demons even submitted to our Lord. He rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit. I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. Then it came out. Heck yeah, it did. He's Jesus, right? The boy became... Then it came out, shrieking, convulsing him violently. The, the boy became like a corpse so that many said, he's dead. But Jesus, but Jesus, but Jesus, taking him by the hand, raised him up. And he stood up. And all God's people said, guys, I know we're struggling with stuff. Me too. Can I ask you guys, though, as we learn to be obedient, can we start going together and learning what it means to truly be a disciple, learning what it means to have our unbelief shaken to its very core, and we have this belief now? Can we start going there together? I'm going to go there. Will you go with me, New City? Here's what I want us to do then. There's a lot of stuff, guys, that we're dealing with. 
<laughs> we happen to deal with different things in the first service, in the second service, in the third service. You can go back and listen to them on the podcast. I think you can actually go back and listen to Facebook Live. Is that right? I'm new at this, so I don't know. I'm not a techie. But here's the deal. It doesn't matter. Jesus is a solution to all of them. So here's what I want us to do. In your own handwriting, I want you to take some steps. Put right down on your bulletin. Uh, make a list. Text yourself. Whatever it is you got to do. First thing I want us to do in your own handwriting. It's important for you to do that. Write down whatever it is that is keeping you from not submitting yourself to the Lord. Um, and I'm not just saying, oh, well, I struggle with X, addiction, porn, whatever, anger, unforgiveness, whatever it is. Like, I'm not just saying that. I'm saying go and explore why. Right? Here's, here's what happens a lot of times. Like, well, I'm not being a good husband. I'm not being a good dad. I'm not being a good neighbor. I'm not being a good employee. I'm not being a... There are reasons for that. Sometimes we need to explore something that happened to us when we were two years old and forgive whatever that is. I don't know why that comes, but. Second thing, step two, look at the list. And if it's two things or 202 things, ask each and every one. Go down each and every one and say, is this bigger than Jesus? And if you can honestly answer that, that, the, that Jesus is bigger than everything I'm dealing with. Step three. Write out a detailed plan. Now, here's, not a pl- here's what a plan is not. I'm going to read my Bible more. I'm going to go and I'm going to stop. Uh, I'm going to pray more. I'm going to be a gooder, better, faster Christian. That is not a plan. A plan is... I'm going to sit down every day at such and such a time, and I'm going to read such and such in the Bible. Every, and i got a radical plan for you to read the Bible, by the way. This is what I do. I'm not saying you got to do this, but a lot of people think it doesn't work, but it really does. You go to Genesis 1, which is the beginning of the Bible, and you start reading. Radical. Crazy. You get to the end of the Bible after, at the end of Revelation, you start back over and go. It's crazy. I know. Everybody's like, I'm looking for the perfect plan. I don't know. I don't know. You know whatever. It's a good one, man, I'm telling you. I've been doing it for a long time. And God is revealing to me more and more and more all the time where he needs me to be submissive to him. A detailed plan is saying that I'm going to go get godly counsel from somebody. Don't go to somebody, don't read their Bible. Here's what they'll tell you. Well, I think God wants you to, don't matter. What matters is what God says, amen, in his word. Get godly counsel. Write down a detailed plan that you know whether or not you have or have not accomplished it. And take the next step of becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ. A disciple of Jesus Christ is someone who becomes baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So if you haven't done that, that's your first, maybe that's part of your plan, right? Second part of your plan. Second part of what a disciple is, they learn to be obedient to Jesus and what he says in his word. Amen. We've got a new course that's going to be starting called Exploring Discipleship. Starting October 4th on Wednesday night. Freaking be here. 
if you want to really explore what it means to be a disciple. Not what everybody says a disciple is, but what an actual disciple, according to Jesus, is. Let's do this. Let's go there together and learn what it means. Amen. We're going to take communion here in just a little bit. I'm going to pray us out. But one of the things I want us to do is, like, is in the Word, this is not just a coming up and getting juice and a cracker. This is in the Word. It says, don't do this in an unworthy manner. Let God expose your heart. It's okay. We all need it. Let him do it. If there's unforgiveness in your heart, if you've got something against a brother or sister that, that you need to go make it right with them, don't go here. Leave. Go make it right. And then come back and we'll figure something out. I'll never forget a few years back, I used to work in northeast Kansas City. And I got into an argument with a Christian brother of mine on a Friday. We had communion on Sunday, and I left. Had to go make it right. And then came back when nobody was around and took communion. So, Father, we love you. We are amazed, as the song says, by you. We are in awe of what you have done, not only <coughs> by creating everything we see, but that you fill our lungs with air, that you have the blood run through our veins, that you created the gravity that we stand on, that keeps us on this big old planet, that you created the atmosphere, the oxygen, the elements that keep us alive. And sometimes we dare to think that we are in control. We are not. Forgive us where we have been trying to take your position in our lives. This is your life. This is your, man, everything, Father. May we submit to you in everything. And love you more every day. And obey you more every day. And get into your word more all the time. And deal truly with our anxiety, anxiety. deal truly with our restlessness, deal, tr deal truly with our unforgiveness, deal truly with our, with our uh, focus on materialism, truly deal with those things, our lust, our porn, our addiction, whatever it is. Even if the world says we're okay, Lord, if you don't, we're not. So may we submit to you, Father. And may we grow together as a body of believers so fired up and freaked out over you that people cannot help but know you. That when you say, who shall I send? We'll look at you and say, it is us. In your son's amazing and incredible name, everybody in the house said,